0: Thanks for joining us online as Pastor Dave Carroll preaches in the message series, Magic City Miracle. Well, I am very excited to jump into God's Word with you today. Make sure you have a uh, a finger or your Bible open to uh, Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. And then on top of that, you may want to find Daniel chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. If we have time today, we will go into the book of Daniel very briefly, and it would be good for you to be able to read that. Uh, We are starting a brand new series. You caught a great day to come to Elevation Church. The title of the series is called Magic City Miracle. Now, I know some of you are thinking, wow, what is that? How many of you know that the city of Billings has the nickname Magic City? How many of you know that? Now, here's a second question. How many of you know why we have the name Magic City? Raise your hand. It's okay. It's even less. It was about the same in both services. About 75% of people knew it, and then, but uh, had to drop their hand when it was why. Well, let me uh, give you a simple explanation why Billings was called the Magic City. It was because Frederick H. Billings in 1882 decided that this would be a great place to live, much like you have decided that, right? Uh, and you... Uh, you bought a house here. Or some of you built a house. Well, he did the same thing. And so he showed up and he put three buildings and called it Billings. Uh, you know, it was obviously the state of Montana, right? And so he called the city Billings, named it after himself. Well, in the ensuing months, it took, they say, somewhere around three months, a few months. could have been a little more, could have been a little less. The city grew from three buildings to over 2,000 people. Can you imagine that for just one second? You know, a guy sticks a flag in the ground, declares that he has, he has founded a city, puts a couple buildings up, and a few months later, there are thousands of people living there with him. Now, I think that as we've gotten later in Montana uh, and Montana in life, uh, I think we've come to abhor that, right? It's like, get away from me, neighbors, <laughs> right? No, I'm just kidding. But um, little did he know that this city would explode like it did. And, and in fact, he was the president of the railroad, railway company. When you walk out of the church doors, it's so cool that our property has the Northern uh, Railroad sign there. And that is what Frederick H. Billings was president of. That's why he moved here, was to, to continue the railroad. And so this city has become the most influential city of our region. It's the largest city. Now there are over 150,000 people in Greater Billings, Yellowstone County, and uh, to my surprise, being from South Florida, this is the largest city for at least nine hours any direction you drive in out of here. It is the influential city of an entire region. We are the largest medical center between Minneapolis and Seattle. Um, we, they estimate that even though our population is 150,000, we have Half a million people come into the city on any given weekend to buy retail products to go. If you've been to Costco, you know that, right? Uh, You know that it's, you're saying, no, it feels a little bit more like a million some days when I go into Costco. And and so our city has become extremely influential, and uh, we're, we're known as the magic city. But I'm here today to tell you that God can use you. God can use me to see even greater things happen through the people of Billings. Let me unpack that for a second. Um, Even though God has richly blessed this city um, with great people. I mean, don't you love our city? Aren't you glad you're here? We have a phenomenal city. Uh, But when it comes to spiritual things, one thing that our city is devoid of is, is we don't have a big well of church leadership. We don't have a, a deep well to draw on. Uh, are there plenty of people who have come to Christ? There, there are some. And are, do we need to share the gospel more? We do. But it's funny that as churches grow, most of the time, um, they're having to pull. This is my newbie observation. They're having to pull their church leaders from outside of Montana, which tells me there's kind of like this ceiling that, that the people of Billings have hit spiritually, and God can do a miracle so great that I believe he can change the flavor of our city to a city who needs to import leaders to, to become a city who is exporting leaders all across the country. Wouldn't it be incredible if, if missionaries in other parts of the world or churches in other parts of Montana, if they needed church leadership, if they needed spiritual leaders, and they said, hey, we better go to Billings Because God's doing something there that is incredible. There are lives changing. People are growing. People are stepping out on faith. They're serving the city in ways we've never seen before. I believe that God wants to do a miracle in the magic city and change the spiritual flavor from that of sin to that of being called the Savior's city. You see, I believe he wants to turn it from being the magic city to the majestic city. Whose majesty? Jesus' majesty, right, where he gets the glory, the honor, and the praise. And here's the title of my message as we begin this series, Magic City Miracle. Um, It's titled, Miracles Involve Me. Here's the truth. God wants to use you to do a miracle in this city. So turn to the person next to you and say, that means you. And then turn to another person and say, that means me. (laughs) <laughs> and that, hey, how many of you said, be honest, how many of you said that means you twice, right? And I don't know. <clears throat> well, miracles involve me. And we're going to see this from a very famous passage of scripture today, one of the more famous miracles that Jesus did in his time on earth. It comes from Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. We'll go 1 through 7, then stop, and then visit 8 through 12 later in the message but here's what's happening to set the stage in the scripture. Uh, Jesus, at this point, has healed a lot of people. In fact, he's healed so many people that what he, he came for spiritual purposes, and really his life had turned into one big healing campaign. Everywhere he went, crowds. Imagine this, like you walk out on the street, and now a 1,000 people just bum rush you, right? Try, trying to trying to get your attention, trying to get you to do something, trying to, trying to heal a wound you have or a physical issue, um, or try, trying to, to get joy just being around Jesus. And so he, uh, heals a demoniac and it gets to the point where he has to go to the city called Capernaum. Capernaum was the city on the north side of the sea of Galilee. It was the central city where Jesus did the bulk of his ministry. Uh, it was like the, the the focal point. In fact, they think that Peter's house was close to Capernaum. Makes sense because he was a fisherman, right? And it's right there on the edge of the Sea of Galilee. And so Jesus used this city uh, to, to go there to be the focal point. And every time he needed a break or, or just wanted to do something different, he would come back to Capernaum. It kind of centered around there. And, and so he comes back, and because his ministry had turned into a healing campaign, he decides that he wanted to go into this house because really, Jesus was there to reveal and to preach the kingdom of God. That's why he came to earth, right? Uh, He did the healing, but that wasn't his main purpose. And so we catch the scripture here in Mark chapter two, verses one through seven, uh, where Jesus enters the city of Capernaum and he goes into a house so he doesn't have to heal, but he can preach. This is what it says. And again, he entered Capernaum after some days, and it was heard that he was in the house. Immediately, many gathered together, so there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door. Now, picture this scene for just a second. Jesus walks in the house, he's hoping to start preaching uh, to a few folks, and all of a sudden, there's standing room only in this house, right? Standing room only. People are out the door trying to, I can, can you just imagine people saying, shh, shh, I'm trying to hear, I'm trying to hear. It's getting full, so much so that the crowd is now outside of the house, and you can't even get to the door. Boy, Jesus had some, some people issues, didn't he, right? I mean, if it were me, I would just yell, everybody go home, get away from me. But this is what he did. He exits the healing portion, and he says, and he preached the word to them. He wanted to teach the scriptures. Then they came to him bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. Now that is a sermon interruption if I've ever seen one, right? There's Jesus preaching and then they come to him uh, with a paralytic. Uh, Many scholars believe this person was probably a a quadriplegic, rather. A quadriplegic couldn't move either arm or couldn't move either leg, was totally immobile, and they come to him carried by four men. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was laying. Now, houses in this portion of the world and this time period, back about 2,000 years ago, were, were laid out a little bit different than they are now. You see, they would use the roof as living space. They would create a flat roof and they would put tiles over top of it and underneath the tiles was fabric. And, and so they didn't just uncover a nice little spot like, hey, let's, let's make a hole in the roof. No, these people were, they had to work. They had to pound this thing out. And, and you say, how did they get the guy up there? Well, the homes in this era they actually had stairs that led to the top of the roof from outside. Can you imagine that? That uh, you walk outside to mow your lawn one day, and then somebody's just up on your roof? How'd you get there? Hey, go walk on your own roof. I don't know what's happening there. But uh, that's what's ta- So they, they're walking this guy up the steps. Four guys, think about this, really heavy, walking up the steps. They do the work. They pound the hole in. And then it says... Um, they, they brought him in where he was lying, and then verse, verse 5, this is key. It says, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven you. This is very important. This is very important. And some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus is doing miracles, but he's also beginning to reveal that he is truly God, not just a good man. And so this um, gives us some insight into the three P's of a biblical miracle from an earthly perspective. These are the three P's. We know God actually is the one who provides the miracle, but if you look in scripture, every time uh, there's a miracle, or not every time, but nearly every time there's, there's a miracle, somebody did a lot of work. And so here are the three P's of the biblical miracle. Number one is preaching, because Romans 10 says, uh, if we don't preach, how will they know? What's the greatest miracle there is? When someone has salvation in Jesus Christ for eternity, right? Not just a physical need met, but a spiritual need met. Uh, Number two, prayer. Uh, Even though prayer isn't seen in this passage, prayer is certainly a part of miracles. You can visit Acts chapter 9 if you want to see some miracles by prayer in the early church. And then here's the one we're going to camp out on that we see in the scripture. This is the P of a biblical miracle that involves me. It is perspiration. Perspiration. Now, I told you that nearly every time you see a miracle in the gospels, uh, there's somebody sweating. There's somebody with their tongue wagging, hanging out. Think about this. Uh, When Jesus turned the water into wine. Wasn't that cool? That's a cool miracle. Jesus turns the water into wine. But... The guests out there were going, Wow, look at this. You saved the best wine for last. But there were these people who were serving it going, Oh boy, there's a lot of. Wait, you want another glass? Because it's so good. They're going back and forth and back and forth. And they're the ones who knew where the miracle was coming from, but nobody else did. Think about this one Feeding of the 5,000. Few loaves, few fish, right? People are super impressed. Wow, that's a huge miracle. The disciples are walking around going, Jesus, Jesus, no more miracles, no more miracles. I'm tired. This is a tough one. I don't think I could do this anymore. But miracles, if we want to see miracles happen, if we want to see God's hand work, here's the truth. He left the church on earth, and it's your job and it's my job to get to work. You see, um, this quadriplegic had no chance at the miracle of his sins being forgiven, salvation, and no chance of being healed physically if there weren't four guys who weren't willing to do Some work now. um, There's no shortage of people in this world sitting around, hoping, praying, wanting a miracle. There's no shortage of that. There are people hoping that God will provide their next meal. There are people in this room who are hoping God will provide money so they can do something or pay a bill. And we're saying, God, we need a miracle. Some of us need healing in our physical bodies. Some of us are waiting, waiting and praying for a miracle in a relationship, but. Here's what's happening. You're wanting something to change, but you don't realize that God asks His people to get their hands dirty and to do the work. You see, anytime I see change in this world, I know that someone went to work. Someone put their hand to the plow. Um, And and we don't like change. Sometimes we want change, but we don't like change. Um, I remember. Amy and I rented the house we live in when we moved here to start Elevation Church. We moved here in June of 2012, launched the church in March of 2013. We rented this house because it was in a new development, and there were no other houses around it at the time. I think like only five or six houses in the whole development, something like that. Uh, I forget the exact number. But um, it's funny. Uh, Now I go outside, and it's a little annoying because the neighborhood has changed. I think there's somewhere around 40 homes there now, and it's like my back 40 is messed up. It was great starting the church because we could park wherever we want. We started the church in the house. People just show up and drive up on the street. It was great. But now there's this change. But here's what I know. Every time I think about how many homes have popped up, uh, I'm reminded of this picture I walk out to every morning now. There's, There's a guy working on the house across the street. He's building a home and he's swinging a hammer. And you see, I didn't just walk out one day and poof, there were 40 homes. Wow, what a miracle. No, there was a guy swinging a hammer. Do you get what I'm saying? He, there was one guy up there just pounding away until it looks like a house. And that is what God is asking us to do in this city. That is, that is who he wants us to be. And now some of you might be asking the question, Dave, is this a God helps those who help them self-message? No, that's not in the, in the scripture you know what this is? Um, this is a God saved people, so show them He saved you by your service. Does that make sense? It's not about uh, good works; it's about grateful works. That's that's what the scriptures teach us. And so, I want to share a little bit of vision about our church with you for just a second. Okay, now when we started the church. Uh, we launched on Easter Sunday, are you ready for this, with 174 people. Now, I learned a a lesson that day that I knew, but I got to see it with my own two eyes. Not everyone who comes on Easter comes back to church, right? I I know it's disappointing for a pastor. That's not what happened. So we had about 115 people. And we have focused for the last almost three years on seeing our Sunday morning worship service become all God wants it to be. And we've stayed very focused on that. and I want to say thank you, Elevation, because to be, two, to be almost three years old and have two services, have full kids ministry, to even have people greeting in the parking lot, which I think less than five churches even do in our city, right? Uh, we have people serving coffee. We have people checking kids in. We have Next Step team to handle and minister to you after service. It's incredible. And we need to keep doing that. But as we round the corner into year three this Easter, we need to become known as a church who loves for and cares for and is the miracle of the magic city. Are you tracking with me? That is who we need to become. And so we need to shift gears and expand a little bit here and go to another level where our worship continues to be all God wants it to be. And and our Sunday morning is important. But now we break out and we develop a heartbeat for serving the city. Now, um, whenever we talk about this, inevitably, uh, great-hearted people, Uh, who have amazing hearts uh, will come and I will get an email uh, for about 50 different programs, right? And, And here's the thing. We need to develop a heartbeat where this is just how people live. Think about this for a second. If you add too many programs, this quadriplegic guy in the scripture, he doesn't get healed. Can you imagine them walking by this guy, seeing the need, and then saying, hey, you know what? hang on, I would like to help you, but I think I have to go to church to do a bunch of programs, <laughs> you know? And, I, and here's the truth. If you're gonna care for people, it's gonna take time. It's gonna take time out of your day. Uh, it, we read the story, we read the story and it reads snappy, right? Like four guys, carried him up a roof, went, you know, dropped him in front of Jesus. But really, if you think about this, I'm guessing this cost them a day. <laughs> I'm guessing it cost them a day, maybe more. Um, they're getting, they're get, they get to the crowd and go, oh man, you, you know how hard it is, how, much, how hard it is to carry a grown man upstairs to a roof? It, it takes some time. I mean, hey, I have four boys. My third oldest, he is almost five feet tall and he weighs 80 pounds. Last night, he said, dad, I just want to start going to sleep in your bed. And every time he says it, I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. no!" You know why? Because it means we have to carry him to his bed. And he's 80 pounds, and, I, and just the thought of it, you moms who do that, I, I don't know how you do it. God must have given you an extra strong backbone or something. But so I pick him up, and I'm going, oh, why did this kid stay in my bed? He's so heavy. Well, here's four guys that have to carry a grown man For uh, the Bible doesn't say it could have been miles. And then they have to lift them up and bust a roof down. And it is hard work to do a miracle. But we need less people sitting around waiting um, and and saying, Oh God, I I just trust you for a miracle. And more people being the miracle and and doing the work um, so that when you bring them to Jesus, He gets the glory, He gets the honor, He gets the praise. And so. It took them a lot of time to do this, a lot of time. And and I want to ask you a question, really important. How much margin, how much margin is in your life to serve the people around you in your life? You know, when I stop and think about it, I have to be honest. When I thought about this question, I thought, oh, snap. I'm the pastor. I have to preach this message, and I blow this all the time. I am so busy that I have to pass needs of people way more than, than I would like to admit. And, and the reason why is because I haven't, I haven't allowed the time to carry people to Jesus and to do the hard work uh, in certain seasons of my life. And so we have to do it. Why? Because when we do the work, it's not just about doing good but there's a spiritual work that's, that's accomplished here. You see, it would have been good, and we know kind of how the story goes. It's a famous story uh, of what Jesus did. Um, it would have been good for the quadriplegic to walk out of the room healed, right? That, right, yeah? yeah? It would have been good. But, but think about it in these terms, in terms of eternity. What if he'd gotten healed, wouldn't have known salvation and forgiveness in Jesus Christ and then spent eternity in fiery hell. Hmm, that's a little bit of a problem. That doesn't really sound like a miracle to me, does it? You know what sounds like a miracle to me? A guy walking out of the room healed who also had his jailbreak, went free in forgiveness, and he now spends eternity with Jesus Christ in heaven. That is a miracle, combining the hard work here on earth with the message of the gospel, seeing them come together this is the start of how we will develop leaders, because you know what leadership is? Leadership is just a lot of extra work, and, and you know why there, there may not be as many church leaders, leaders or spiritual leaders? I'm not even talking about pastors. I'm just talking about people in process who are willing. It's because it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. It's tiring. Now, with perspiration, I want to tell you just a little story to send it home. You see, we know a lot about hard work here in Billings. Some of the hardest working people I've ever met have been in Billings, Montana. Uh, But one thing we don't really know about here, because it's 3,000 feet high, we don't really know about this thing called perspiration. And you say, yes, we do. I've sweated. I've sweated. Uh, No, 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 you haven't. No, you haven't. See, I'm from Miami, Florida. And if you've never flown down there, when you walk out of the airport, it's like you hit this invisible wall when you walk out of the airport. Like, whoa, it's so thick. And I grew up Uh, helping my dad with his plumbing company during my high school summers. And you know what? I don't know that I was the best worker or the worst worker, but I had this one value for my dad that he loved. Uh, Every two or three days, he would ask me one simple question. Dave, who's working and who's not? Who's actually working? Who's earning their paycheck? Who's doing doing the hard stuff? And you know, it's difficult to know as a high schooler, but I, I began to to judge it off of a few qualities, and one of them was this: you know, if if you were taking some extra lunch time, or maybe you had to spend the whole day at the supply house, you know, and you were one of those folks walking around and not doing the work, you'd be the only guy who had a dry T-shirt. Because here's something about South Florida: if, if you walk outside for five minutes, uh, you get a, a few beads come from come from your. Uh, well, I don't have a forehead; I have about a six head. You know what I'm saying? Uh, it might even be more than that. I might be conservative on that estimate, but you see beads of sweat come. If you're outside for 15 minutes, you're not raising your hand because you're not sure. You know what I'm saying? I mean, there's gonna be some sweat happening. But I know this, if you're outside digging a ditch and you're there for, for half hour, there's a ring of sweat around your neck. If you're digging a ditch for an hour, well, you start to get back patched, half your shirt gets sweaty. If you're out there working for two or three hours, you can wring your shirt out after three hours. In fact, many people would have to bring three, four, five shirts to work because when you had to talk to a customer after the work, uh, you had to put a new shirt on so that you weren't just drenched in sweat. How many of you ladies are totally and utterly grossed out right now? Uh, You're you're allowed to be. But you want to know what? I believe Jesus looks around his kingdom for guys like we see carrying the quadriplegic. And he's saying, where's the sweat mark? Where is the perspiration of my people? Why are they sitting around hoping I'll do something and they're not the miracle themselves? Because the miracle involves us. While we can't perform the miracle, Jesus does. The miracle involves me. Now, we, we look at the motivator here. Let's look and continue in verse 8 through 12. Here's what it says. But immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they, were re- that they reasoned thus within themselves, he said to them, why do you reason about these things in your hearts? Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, take a, uh, you, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, arise, take up your bed and walk? That's a hard question, right? He's saying, well, it's easier, to, t- to heal this guy or to say that you're forgiven? Well, it's easier to say you're forgiven. He says, but that you may know that the son of man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, arise, take up your bed and go to your house. Immediately he arose, took up the bed and went out in the presence of them all so that all were amazed and glorified God saying, let's read this together. Say it aloud. We never saw anything like this. I don't know about you. But I want to be a part of a church where we say, I've never seen anything like this. God is at work, and his people are drenched with sweat, and they're serving the Lord. But here's the motivator, and here's what you write down. A big question, what do I believe about Jesus? You see, the Pharisees were kind of confused, right? The the scribes were kind of confused. You see, your perspiration and your personal belief are tied together. When the guys brought, brought this man to Jesus, it says Jesus saw their faith. How did he see their faith? He didn't have to look through and see, see their hearts. He saw the work they had did they had done. You see, they believed so strongly that Jesus was God, that he is who he says he is, that they were willing to work so hard that basically they were totally messed up. If they dropped the guy down on the ground and Jesus didn't heal him. Or you think about that for a second. What if Jesus would have looked at the guy and went, uh, yeah, that's nice. Wowza! You know? I mean, they have to bring the guy back up the roof, right? And then they have to walk him down the stairs, pardon me, excuse me, pardon me, excuse me, pardon me, excuse me, pardon me, excuse, me, pardon me, excuse me. all the way out, and bring him back home. If that guy didn't walk. And you see, we have to learn to serve our hearts out because we believe Jesus really is who he says he is. You see, uh, some people in verse 10 take this phrase, son of man, the wrong way. Some people think it means that Jesus was just a common man or that he was just a good man. But that's not where it comes from. It comes from Daniel chapter 7 verses 13 and 14. We don't have time to go there, but here's what it says. This is a verse referencing back into Daniel where it was prophesied that the son of man would come. And when you read that scripture, you find out It's a term referring to the king of kings who's going to come back and judge the earth at the second coming. Jesus is powerful. Do you get that? What do I believe about Jesus? He really is God. He is the coming king. He holds the power to judge and to carry out His wrath. He also has the power to, to love unconditionally and eternally. And He is incredible. And you know what? If we believe that Jesus is who He says He is, you know what kind of work we'll do? We'll do the kind of work. We'll do the kind of work that leaves us completely and utterly exhausted. Just like these guys did, where if Jesus doesn't show up, man, it's a bad day. It's a real bad day. Hey, I have to be honest with you, as a pastor, uh, sometimes uh, there are seasons as a pastor, and I know uh, for those of you who have been serving your hearts out of elevation, there are these seasons where I go to bed at night, especially after, uh, some of you may not even know, being new because I don't talk about it much, not because I try to be quiet, but because I just don't think about it very often but I, I lost vision in my right eye from stress, and I get pain in my eyes, and there are days where the church thing gets so hard, and, and uh, you, you're saying, oh God, will you provide the finances, or God, will you provide this, the, the people or the leadership? And you're wondering how it's gonna happen. You've worked, uh, and, and you need Jesus to show up in your life. And there are days where you, get, you lay your head on the pillow and you go, okay God, I quit. I quit, it's done, it's over. But here's the thing, you wake up the next day, and you say, God, I know I quit last night, but I was just kidding, (laughs) you know? I was just kidding, I reenlist today, I reenlist. Why do I reenlist? Not because I wanna be important, not because um, we're trying to create our own kingdom, but I do it because what I believe about Jesus is that he is God, and that he performs miracles, and that he does the impossible. Do you believe that this morning? That's what I believe." And so, what's my job in the miracle? You may want to write this down. Very simple. You step up, you serve up, and you speak up. Why are you saying up, Dave? Well, you step up. Hey, I believe it's time for Elevation Church to take on the task of developing leaders that will advance the kingdom of God, not just here, but all over world. The world, And we need people to step up, and that is hard. You know what? Most time, you look at leader, a leader and you think, wow, that person just gets to walk around and smile. No, you show me uh, a great work of God, and I will show you people who are totally spent, totally and utterly spent every time. We need people to step up, to serve up, not just to do good work, but to serve pointing people to Jesus, much like um, what happened here with the paralytic. And then we speak up. We say why we're doing what we're doing. We learn to share our faith that we have hope in a risen Savior who defeated death on the cross. And it's available. You see, when we step up, when we serve up, and when we speak up, here's what we're really doing. We're mirroring the heart of our Savior. Listen to Isaiah chapter 61, verses 1 through 4. It's a prophecy from the prophet Isaiah. It's on the screen. It's in your program. It says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim that the captives will be released and prisoners will be freed. He has sent me to tell those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favor has come, and with it, comma, That stops the first coming here in the prophecy, and it switches over to the second coming of Christ. um, The day of God's anger against their enemies. Uh, To all who mourn in Israel, listen to this about the job of the people of God mirroring the heart of their Savior. To all who mourn in Israel, he will give a crown of beauty for ashes. Isn't that incredible that God gives beauty for our ashes? A joyous blessing instead of mourning. Who has known the joy of the Lord in this room, right? The joy of the Lord, festive praise instead of despair in their righteousness. The people of God, it's implying, they will be like great oaks that the Lord has planted for his own glory. And check this out. They will rebuild the ancient ruins, repairing, say this word aloud with me, cities, repairing cities destroyed long ago. They will revive them though they have been deserted for many generations. And at the second coming, we're gonna be involved in city restoration. And so I'm saying, start now. Start now to see the miracle happen through you, through me, and you may be saying, I don't know, Dave, I don't, you don't know me. Well, hey, guess what? You have a great story to tell if you've been living messed up because people are looking for a magic pill in the magic city. They're gambling it away. They're, they're, they're using meth, they're using alcohol is going crazy, divorce is rampant. And and it's just, like I said before, they're utilizing a sin city instead of a savior driven city. But here's the good news. God uses the broken to do the miracles that he wants to do in a city. If you walked in broken, perfect, perfect. Jesus heals the damage that sin brings. And if people were impressed over the quick growth of a city named Billings, Montana. Hey, I believe they, they won't know what hit them if the people of God realize that miracles involve them and they will serve like crazy to do it. And that's the heart we wanna put in Elevation Church. Well, I wanna tell you a quick story as we close. Um, it's not a real story. It's just a kind of a parable, if you will. There was a tightrope walker. And this tightrope walker, Got really famous because he would go without any cords attached, without any ropes. He he would he would walk the tightrope, and he got so good at it that it started to go up to amazing heights, and uh, and so he began to walk the tightrope, and people would come. He would put a blindfold on and walk the tightrope, and he and he would live. Uh, then he began to do the the blindfold with the wheelbarrow, and and he would go across with the wheelbarrow. Got so big that a promoter said, hey, we can make a lot of money you'll get famous if we go to Niagara Falls and we'll put a tightrope over Niagara Falls. You can walk from Canada into the United States on this tightrope and do your, do your show. He said, deal. So he does it. He does it, uh, walks across, walks across the blindfold Then comes back around, does it with the uh, blindfold and the wheelbarrow. And the promoter said, wow, that was incredible. That was incredible. And, and the tightrope walker said, uh, so do you believe that I can walk a tightrope? And of course the promoter said, well, well, sure, you just did it. I just saw you do it. He said, no, no, no. Do you really believe that I will do this and I will never fail? Well, well of course. He said, so you're willing to get in the wheelbarrow. <laughs> <laughs> so you're willing to get in the wheelbarrow. Elevation Church, we gotta get in the wheelbarrow. And we gotta trust God and we need to be the people of God who are salt and light in this world. Now today because of time, I don't get a chance to offer salvation but maybe some of you today need the miracle of salvation and maybe today you need to place your faith in a risen savior for the very first time and receive his grace and his forgiveness. And how we want that to happen is uh, you can talk to the folks out at the Next Step Center after service today and they would be glad to lead you to Jesus. But for the rest of us, as we close, I I invite you to take out your program. Everybody take it out. Um, There are five steps that I want us to take this march to begin to embed this heart of service in our church body. And here they are. Much like the four men in the scripture, I want to ask everyone to intentionally serve one person per week through the month of March. For the purpose of the gospel. In other words, you're going to serve them and do some hard work. You're going to step up, serve up, and what else? Speak up and tell them about your savior and about your church. I already have a person I know I'm gonna do, it's a new family that moved into our neighborhood, that we're gonna bake some baked goods for them and go meet them and introduce them, invite them to church and and introduce that we are people who have faith in Jesus Christ. It might be that simple. It might be that you need to help somebody on the side of the road who's, who's hurting in a car, but share your faith. We're combining service with the gospel. So we intentionally serve how many people a week? One, just one, two. Um, check in on Facebook. Do it so that we can advance the name of, uh, of God's church and his glory, but we also get to help some kids across inner city United States. Um, number three, for those of you who don't have Facebook, um, we wanted to do this, and I'm really excited about this. Uh, we have new invite cards. They're really not a card anymore. I don't know what these are, coasters, invite coasters. Um, what we have decided to do We're stepping out. I don't even know that we can afford it, but it was on our heart. And we said, you know what? We're gonna operate in faith. We're gonna do something where Jesus has to show up. Um, From the next three weeks, you're allowed to write on your card how many people you invited to church or to Easter Sunday. And for every invite, it doesn't have to have a card. You can open your mouth and that's fine too. But for every invite, we will donate 25 cents to the Billings Public School System that deals with homeless teenagers who don't get to eat when they leave school every Friday. So we'll donate 25 cents up to $1,000. To put that in perspective at our church, that means if everybody invited 10 people, um, the $1,000 would go to help that backpack program. Here in the city of Billings, and so um, that's that's a cool way that we're going to reach out and be a Magic City miracle, and combine the gospel service. Number four, we have Servolution Saturday. There's a half sheet in your program, and I'm really excited about the opportunities we have. There are there is no childcare, so you may have to divide and conquer. Maybe only one family member can come, or two, and not the whole family. Uh, but your whole family is welcome to come and serve with you. Your kids are welcome to come. Uh, we'd ask that you would check a box and. Decide which one you want to serve at that Saturday. We'll meet here at 8.30, and it'll last till about lunchtime for most of the projects. Um, By the way, there's one on here that's car care for moms, uh, single moms and widows. If you are a single mom widow and need some car care, uh, make sure to write it down on the Next Steps card and let us know. Uh, But also, people can Facebook message the church. If you know someone or have a friend who needs this care, Facebook message us with the details on that sheet. And we would be more than happy to get it to you. So go visit the Next Step Center and they'll help you out. And then fifth, um, we'll talk about it on March 20th. We're going to learn to serve each other because uh, we are going to not only serve the city, but we are going to take joy in serving each other. Does that sound good? Sounds. Hey, are you excited to be a part of a church like this that will reach out and be the miracle? Yeah, praise the Lord. Uh, let's go to the Lord in Prayer. I know I've kept you a little longer today, but um, I just I couldn't say it any shorter because it's a heartbeat thing, and it's the first time our church has gone this way, and uh, I'm excited about it. God, we love you. I thank you that you have called us to be your hands and feet in a dark and dying world. Lord that we can bring the light of salvation, God that we can bring hope to people's lives for eternity and for today. Father, help us to be a church that is willing to get dirty, that's willing to get uh, sweaty, uh, to do the work, uh, to see you do a miracle. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said. Thanks for listening today and join us next week as we continue the series Magic City Miracle.